Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Hey, everybody, I'd like to welcome Mikado Henson to the stage at Last in Line Podcast for the second time, actually. He was here uh, a little over a year ago, uh, and we discussed a lot about his journey of faith, his journey professionally. I will tell you, though, if you weren't here for that episode, you're in for a treat because Mikado Henson's in his sixth season at uh, Texas A&M uh, football and uh, as director of player development. And he has been all over the athletic space here in the Houston area. He has uh, served for FCA uh, as the national chaplain chaplain task force. Um, He has been a team chaplain for the Houston Rockets here in uh, for the NBA here in Houston. He uh, worked at the university of Houston where he was there for 14 years as the team chaplain and, uh, character development coach for their football team. So he has a long lineage of great mentors and leaders he's been a part of and and lucky to serve with. He is, again, doing great things with the Texas A&M football program here in College Station, Texas, which if you know anything about anything, that's SEC football, and that's big time, boys. Uh, so Mikado is over their player development. He helps with – uh, ministering to these young men. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about fatherhood. We're going to talk about the big C, capital C church. Uh, maybe where leadership is missing it. Maybe what he has to offer when it comes to discipling men and actually preparing the next generation for manhood and what biblical masculinity looks like, what the kids that are graduating college uh, are facing and some of the biggest voids in their life. We're going to talk a lot about that. So without any more of me rambling, let's bring Mikado Henson to the stage here at Last in Line Podcast. Well, Mikado Henson, welcome back, man. It's been too long. How are you? Doing great, bro. Just, um, man, 2023 is rocking and rolling. It, didn't, it is. It's, it hasn't I slowed mean, down Q- a bit. Q1's about over, right? Q1's about over. Uh, I I will say it was literally summer of 21, I think I was looking since you were on the podcast, which that seems like an eternity ago to me. Um, But yeah, dude, uh, for for guys that haven't haven't listened to that particular episode, we got some a lot of new, you know, a lot of new listeners. Um, Of course, you you work at Texas A&M and you're in football. Uh, You're you're you know, in charge of player development and, and, you know, done doing some character development leadership work with the guys. Uh, and we all know that Texas A&M football is no, no joke. It's a big deal. SEC football in uh, Texas uh, sounds a little funny. Uh, SEC football in Texas, but no, uh, we're going to ha- have another team actually uh, probably in a year, right? Uh, over yep. there and that rivalry decided, will be back. Decided to come join. That's right. Me and yeah. my Sooners too. This Longhorn and, and and the Sooners have decided they wanted to get a few bloody noses for a few years, and so they decided to come into the SEC. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, man, yeah, it's, it's beautiful because it makes everything more regional, though. It does. And so travel is a lot less far, and um, those rivalries get to be 
reignited. So it is. It should it be is. fun for sure. It's, it's great. Uh, but, you know, today we're going to talk a little, a lot about leadership. We're going to talk a lot about ministry and discipleship. Um, I, I do want to know, I don't know that I ever asked you this, but being that you've got a long history in, in ministry and with Fellowship Christian Athletes and being, you know, in the chaplaincy for different sports programs, and now you're doing what you do there, how did you ever, I mean, not many kids wake up one day and say, I want to be a a chaplain of a, of an NBA basketball team, or, you know, I want to be in charge of player development at a big time D one football school. What, how did you get into this type of work? Yeah, I didn't wake up thinking that or feeling that either. Um, so I was employed by the fellowship of Christian athletes in the greater Houston area. I was, uh, overseeing a lot of the, uh, inner city ministry for FCA for middle schools and high schools. And then one day I was in the office, we were doing some office work, all the whole office staff and uh, coach Dana Demmel, who's the head football coach at UTEP now, uh, uh, he was at Houston and called and really asked uh, our FCA director if there was anyone in the office that would be interested in, in being their chaplain. Well, I got saved in college. I wasn't far removed from college. I was 24 years old and I was the only one who raised my hand. And said, I'd love, I don't know what that looks like, but I'd love to go and serve the college kids. And I remember meeting with Coach Demmel. I was still doing the middle school, high school, FCA ministry. And uh, in the year 2000 was the first year that I was a chaplain uh, for his team. So I'd go over there maybe once, twice a week and just try to do my best to build some relationships. And then I would be with them before every game, home and away. And uh, just providing some type of chapel service, some some message before they went out to compete. And that's kind of how it all grew from the college angle. And then with the NBA, started helping out with my director doing chapels for the Rockets. And um, there was just, it kind of became a season of life where he wasn't able to do it. And I was like, well, I'll go ahead and keep doing it. I was just doing home games, mind you, that's 40-something games. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of lot of commitment in the evening time, mm-hmm. but it was uh, great, man. Great relationships were built. I still have friendships with some of those guys who are on the team. Then still friends I, with them to this, to this day. But I didn't wake up thinking that I was going to be operating in these spaces. But um, God was grooming me, and He was preparing me for those. And it's been it's been a special and it's been an amazing journey. Now as I go into my twenty fourth season in college football. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to know where you felt if if you felt being that you were fairly new, uh, a a fairly new Christian at the time. I mean, did you feel like you were feeling led by God to pursue those opportunities, or were you just like, I think God's built me this way, and I think it fits really well here? Like, talk to the guys maybe that are listening that are having a problem or having a hard time understanding does God really want me to take that leap? You know, it's yeah. kind of scary. Like, did you feel led spiritually there? I did. And I had some great uh, mentors and people who were pouring into my life that kind of helped guide me along the way. Um, yeah, I do believe that God had it all laid out for me, but taking that leap was um, was challenging for me. Uh, I like solid ground. Mm-hmm. I like being able to stand where and be rooted uh, somewhere. And so stepping in as a chaplain at first was, it was a big challenge, but I had people, they knew that I had communication skills, um, just 
from knowing me and my 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 history and in my college years of being a broadcast communicator. They also knew that I've valued relationships. And so they're like, Mikado, this role is all of those things. And so maybe where I didn't even see it in its totality, they helped me see that. And, and um, I don't know if I jumped or if they nudged me, but somehow I fell into yeah. it. And uh, it was it was beautiful. So I say with anyone who's, you know, wrestling with what that next step looks like, uh, one, you got to be willing to climb that mountain. You got to be mm-hmm. willing to start at a, I guess, fairly low level. And I wouldn't say Houston was a low level by any stretch, but you got to be willing to to grind it out in obscurity. And if God sees fit, he may put you on platforms like the University of Houston, maybe the Houston Rockets, things like that, or even at Texas A&M. But by no stretch, if I felt like I've made it, I feel like it's just part of the um, journey. It's being here in College Station as I actually, as my eyes shift, I'm now looking at Kyle Field, inside Kyle Field. And, um, you know, seven times a year, there'll be 105,000 people here, but that's one week. So 51 weeks out of the year, this place is empty. And it's the relationships that you get to build with the the young people uh, while they're not, com- while they're not competing, while they're going through life. So, yeah. Uh, so as people kind of wrestle and navigate what that next step looks like, um, I'd say surround yourself with like-minded people, people who push you and challenge you and uh, where you're, where you're kind of afraid to leave. Uh, maybe they will give you a nudge. I know Mark Batterson said in his book, um, Chase the Lion, he said, real faith is standing on the tree branch and cutting off the limb and expecting the tree to fall. Uh, so sometimes it just doesn't <laughs> make sense. But, That's your awesome. beliefs, but your belief says that um, I know God's called me to X, Y, Z. Yeah. And he'll he'll make it make sense. That's good. No, I love that. That's a great analogy too. I'm, that, I, that book, I, it rings a bell, but I, I didn't remember that example. Uh no, that's great uh, because it's, man, we can talk a lot about faith and we can talk a lot about taking that leap, but you did it and and maybe you didn't consider it that big of a leap or maybe you don't yeah. now, but but I mean, we're all, it's all relative. We're all faced with whatever that giant mountain is that we're trying to climb. Um, I, I do have uh, maybe a kind of just fast forward into what you're doing now because, I mean, you're you're pouring into college, you know, what, 17, I'll just say, I'll be real real liberal here with the ages, but 17 to 23, let's just say that group. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with that. That's a, that's a impressionable time of year, uh, or time of, of your life. There's, that's also a time where you think, you know, everything. Um, and then, you know, it's a lot of distractions, a lot of people coming at you, especially high profile athletes, a lot of distractions. Um, but like, what's one of the bigger challenges that you see in your role? And then what is like maybe most rewarding about what you do with these college age football players? Yeah, I think, um, gosh, there's a lot of challenges, but yet a lot of rewards. I think one of the biggest challenges, and it's just for me personally, it would be different for everyone probably. But one of the biggest challenges is when I feel like I'm not reaching a young person. Um, when you do everything you know how to do, to build a relationship, establish trust. And for some weird reason, there's just a guard up where they don't don't allow you in. And um, that gets challenging because they come through their college experience. And I wouldn't say that I feel like a failure because I feel, I feel like that every seed sown, it may be for someone else to harvest. But at the end of the day, I just feel like I, 
when people make choices after you've poured your guts out and counseling them and coaching them and mentoring them, and then they go off and make bad choices, <laughs> you feel like, man, I've been spinning my wheels and I'm just, I'm not making a difference. And so the enemy does a good job of, of uh, beating you up, you know, saying, what are you even doing? It doesn't make a difference. And so when guys go through those college years and you feel like you didn't reach them the way you felt like um, that you would have hoped to. Mm -hmm. um, but my wife gave me some great advice one time. She said, Mikado, you give them the truth. You love them hard. But she said, Mikado, remember, at the end of the day, people will always do what they want to do. And it that freed me up because I, I, I carry burdens. I carry the weight of people. And uh, that helped free me up. You know, you give them the truth. You love them hard. And at the end of the day, they're going to do what they want to do. And so, but I just know that my desire is that I want everyone to be reached. I want everyone's life to be impacted. But then even if I don't see the fruit of that, it's been fun to see guys now coming back mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason and saying, thank you, you know, saying, Hey, you maybe thought I wasn't listening, but I was listening. Yeah. And now I'm a husband. Now I'm a dad. Now I'm working in, you know, whatever industry. And, um, I think back to some of those talks or some of the things you did with the team. So that's there, that's a challenge, but there's also rewards in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, people who get in it, if you, anything that's built to last isn't built fast. And so that's if right. you're in player development, you got to be willing to till the soil. You got to be willing to have a delayed harvest or maybe not even see the harvest and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And so that's still a challenge of mine going into my 24th year of doing this 24th season. I still want to see some of those fruits, some of yeah. that, the rewards. Yeah. But I think the challenges and the rewards, that line, those lines meet. And uh, oftentimes the greatest rewards are coming at the line where the line of the greatest challenge has been. Right. And so that, yeah. that's kind of what I've seen, how I operate. And, that's good. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I agree with you. Like, you, I think, though, to, to what you were saying, <clears throat> as people, and I don't really know why, but we're almost conditioned to magnify what isn't going as smoothly. Like you, right. you've probably got for every two or three that just kind of fell on deaf ears, there's probably 10 or 20 that you changed their life or that maybe made a huge, you know, impact in their life in a good way. And so, but we're always looking at that one, yeah. right. That, that one that we wish the night, you know, God, Jesus went after the one. Right. And so right. we are focused on that one that maybe we feel like we missed it. But again, there's those 99 that, you know, that are living a better life. Yeah. And I think that that's where areas of our pride have to die because we have a savior complex. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to lose any. And I think mm -hmm. the motivation is right. But I think that also, um, Maybe the Lord's saying, okay, maybe you're in their season of life to sow a seed, mm -hmm. not to see their salvation, mm -hmm. not to see them make the, I wouldn't say make the best choices, but maybe that's for the next person or the next person, you know, but in your season of life, man, the farmer never looked to see where the seed landed, right? Mm -hmm. The farmer just sowed the seed and sometimes it falls on the path. Sometimes it falls on stony mm -hmm. ground. Sometimes it falls on thorny ground. But then every now and then it falls on good soil mm -hmm. and it produces a great har harvest, but the farmer yeah. just sowed the seed. And so that's something I've yeah. learned that I, sometimes I can't go hand place the seed. I just got to sow the seed yeah. and um, the, the condition of someone's heart. That's not my business. That's yeah. not my, that's, that's not good. my burden. 
but um god's yeah. that's god's deal and he's really good at his job yeah and so i have to re- we have to relinquish the savior complex that we can we can reach them all but we yeah. have to be professional and sowing seed and water seed that's I, what our job is i do. feel like i feel like god's just wearing a shirt that points like to me and is like know your role you know, he's trying to tell me, know your role. I've put you in this for a season for a job. Just do that. Keep your head down and and leave the results up to me. And and that's so hard to do. I mean, that's that's not just with college kids. Like that's in adult discipleship. You yeah. you wonder, am I really getting through? And then you yeah. get the phone call, hey, I did it again. And you're like, what are we doing? You know, yeah. and you kind of throw up your hands. Well, like with that group that you're dealing with, I mean, we've got guys that are going to play on Sunday afternoons in the in the NFL uh, that come to school there Um, you're in the best conference in college football. I mean, with this group of guys, what are you seeing if there's a common thread when it comes to maybe the most common void in, in maybe their character? I don't know if it was the right word. I know a lot of them come from homes without a father figure. So you may have to be that for them, but what's maybe what, what is the biggest void you're seeing that maybe you're trying to kind of fill the gaps in a little bit more on? Yeah. I mean, guys, you could start handpicking a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. but I would say the, the one thing is um, trust. It's a lot of guys come here with trust issues and it Mm -hmm. could stem from fatherlessness. It could stem from um, people uh, having bad motives to want to be around them of why they want to be around them, mm. uh, get in early knowing that they are a lot of these guys will play on Sunday and it's people just hanging on, um, gosh, there are so many things, but I think a lot of it boils down to, uh, what I've realized in my time is that everyone wants love. Everyone wants discipline and that can only be established through trust. And so that's the one thing that's one of the biggest voids that I see is guys keeping their guard up to, to keep you from loving them the way they need to be loved, keep you providing discipline where they need areas of structure and discipline. And that all boils down to is I don't trust you. That's why I don't allow you to do those things. And so, um, but what I have, I found out, I don't care if it's the Rockets or when I was at the University of Houston, when I was at Houston Baptist University with men's or women's basketball, or being here at Texas A&M, it doesn't matter. Everyone wants love and discipline, and that can only be established through a relationship of trust. And so mm-hmm. they may play in front of the biggest crowds and the biggest stadiums and, and have to perform. But man, you peel back the layers and those helmets are hanging back in the locker. Everyone's at ground zero. Everyone wants the same thing. And it's oftentimes the the thing that people fight against the most. Yeah. Because they may have grown up not feeling love. They may have grown up, you know, learn, don't trust people. You know, people have had motives and things like that. And so um, at the end of the day, the things that a lot. Now, listen, I will say this. We have some amazing parents Mm -hmm. of our student athletes, amazing parents of the young men that we're trying to make fighting Texas A&M Aggies. And so I get a, an opportunity to build with those parents and more so than not, I am telling mom or dad or both, I'm here to be an extension of you. So the foundation you have laid in your son's life, it is my job now to help build on that foundation. So I'm giving some extreme examples, yep. but, um, but at the end of the day, 
we do have some amazing young men that come from some amazing homes. But one of the biggest voids is uh, people allowing you to love them and discipline them and to for them to trust you. So is is there a you know, given that you're dealing with people and and once you've seen one person, you've seen one person, right? Everybody's yeah. a snowflake, u- unique uh, in their own way. So have you dialed into kind of a template that works to gain trust? Like, how are you in the role you, because you're not replacing parents, you're not there to do right. that. You're there to help in partner with them. Um, maybe, and you haven't created the issue of the trust. You've never burned them. You've never betrayed right. them. But you got to figure out a way to earn that from them. What are some of the best ways? Because this right here could translate to marriage, could translate yep. to anything dealing with relationships. How how have you honed in on and dialed in on a good process for that? Yeah, my process is pretty simple. Be intentional about investing time. Mm. Be present. Mm. Be present. Um, you know, go to the training room, go to the weight room, go to the practice fields. Um, I'm on the sideline during the games. I travel with the team presence based. Um, I was just reading through John chapter 10 yesterday and it was talking about the good shepherd and the Mm -hmm. sheep know the shepherd's voice and the voice of a stranger. They won't follow. Well, how did sheep get to know a shepherd's voice uh, time and being present and, and things like that. So I can't just always send out messages or I can't expect guys to come see me. Right. Okay. I've got to be proactive and uh, being intentional with going to see them where they are when they're eating lunch, go sit with them. Uh, when they're having surgery, go sit with them at the hospital. When they're going through rehab, all that stuff, just be present because people they're watching, you know, the body language deal more, most communication is nonverbal. Yep. And so I can say a whole lot, but it's, what are you showing? What are you demonstrating? You know? And so even reading through John 10, it was just, talking about Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, Um, you know, just, you know, just to talk about the sheep shepherd relationship. I use that with all humility because as I shepherd people, I'm also a sheep, you know what I mean? So, but as I shepherd people, how is that established? You know, it's like, dude, you're not asking me to come hear you speak. You're not asking me to come to your office for a special meeting. You're meeting me right where I am. I'll give you an example. We had a young man, a few years ago and he would not meet with me. Like he literally looked at me and kind of chuckled and said, I'm not meeting with you. I said, cool. Him on the back, walked away. So I said, I'm going to meet with him every single day at practice. And he doesn't even know we're meeting. So I'd walk by, pat him on the back. Hey, great job, man. Doing great out there. You need anything? No, I'm good. All right, cool. I'd leave. That was a meeting. He had no clue. I just consistently did that. Hey, man, you want a Gatorade? You good? Blah, blah, blah. Little small stuff just to serve, right? Well, then he started asking me to hold his earrings at practice. Okay, these are his precious earrings. So he would take his earrings out there and stretch. Hey, Mikado, you hold these earrings? I got you. Put them in my pocket. Hey, that was was showing a lot of trust right there. It's growing. (laughs) That's right. So a year and a half later, John, a year and a half, he knocks on my office door and said, so this is your office, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. I said, yeah. He goes, well, I guess we better have our meeting. And I said, come on in, have a seat. And he sits down and he starts looking around my office. He said, 
I'm street smart, but I'm not real book smart. And I said, okay, but I need you to explain some stuff. He started looking around my office, explain, be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 9. What's that mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. What does that mean? So I'm explaining stuff. Then he finally looks at me and said, you're a pretty cool dude. And I'm starting to trust you. And I laughed and I said, man, I appreciate that. I'd like to think that I'm trustworthy. And uh, then I said, when he was done talking, I said, can I share some things with you? Because he told me he didn't believe in God. Mm. And I said, well, can I tell you something? I said, one, God believes in you and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. And two, you say you're not real book smart, but there's something that's pretty genius about you anyway. I said that you have some amazing qualities. After this long 40 minute conversation, he finally stands up and said, I don't know why I waited so long to come meet with you. Is it okay if I come back? I said, you come back anytime you want. I never knew. I, John, I never knew. Am I going to be able to reach this young man? He's not coming to meet with me. So what do I have to do? What's my philosophy? Like you asking the question, go be with the people. You got to smell like the sheep, man. Yeah. You got to be willing. You got, you got to be willing to hear some things that may make you cringe. Yeah. As Howard <clears throat> Hendricks said, I was literally just looking. As, as Howard Hendricks said, living by the book, he said, I love sharing the gospel in locker rooms in the midst of the hells and the dams. Yeah. Just to make sure the gospel still works. You got to have be willing to not have virgin ears and yeah. walk in some spaces where you may be internally going, Argh! but externally you're like, you're fully engaged. Mm -hmm. At some point, there's going to be an inroad to talk to them. Why? Because they one, they starting to trust your voice. Yeah. And they're like, man, this guy just keeps coming back. Yeah. And so I would say there's no great formula or philosophy right. other than be willing to be present. That's right. Uh, you said a lot of stuff in there that I, I thought were great points of focus. And the fact that a lot of people, and this is me talking, maybe I'm, maybe it's not a lot, but there are some people that when he said he laughed and said, man, I ain't meeting with you. You think, Oh, well there's, you know, a hundred people on this roster or 60 people in this roster. I, I got a lot of people I could talk to. I don't need him. So I'm moving on. Right. A lot of people yeah. could have just dismissed him right then. And you didn't, you stayed consistent, which was a huge word. And you did, you, you were willing to do the little things that showed him you were trustworthy and that allowed him to take a step towards you because of the steps you were taking towards him. And then God did the work and man, I just, that's a great, and you didn't give up too. That's something for a listener right now too, is you may wait a year and a half before you start to feel like what you're doing is working or whether yeah. you're like we talked about earlier, whether that harvest is ever going to happen. Well, right. if you're patient, you're faithful, God makes it rain. And, and here comes the harvest. And, and that guy, I mean, he won't be the same after that meeting. So I think that's, now, I mean, that's great. Well, let me go ahead and confess too. I, that was a, a, a story that was, man, I was long suffering and just kind of walked with this young man. There are times where I've blown it, man. I've missed it. You know, I've completely missed it. And so, but you have to give yourself grace yep. to, to not be perfect in ministry. You know, the same grace that we we're asking God for, yep. sometimes we're not willing to even give ourselves. That's good. And so there have been times where I've, I'll go home and I'm like, gosh, dog it. Man, I completely missed that. Like mm -hmm. said something the wrong way, whatever. And, you know, there have been times in 23, 
24 years where I've had to pull a guy aside and say, Hey man, I want to apologize to you. Yeah. Probably came at you the wrong way. And uh, I just want to let you know, one, I'm not perfect, but two, man, I just want to ask you, would you forgive me? Like that wasn't the intention, but I know it came out wrong. There's been times where you gotta, you gotta humble yourself. It's good. You gotta, and you know what? They may be around people who, who won't go try to make a wrong, right. And it just, yeah stacks up but yeah in this yeah. position or in any area of ministry or coaching or anything like that i'm about to read batterson's new book which comes out uh april 4th and it's called please sorry thanks three important words man that we need to be able to have on deck of our vocabulary that's awesome right and a lot of times those of us who are in leadership um we oftentimes feel that sorry is not one that we have to extend. Sometimes we mess up. That's right. We have to be able to own that and say, I'm sorry. It can take a relationship really far. Yeah. If you yeah. can help clear, clear that clutter uh, that you may have caused yourself. Hey, I'll, I'll be first to tell you, I might still be married 27 years later because of that word. Sorry, because right. I've been willing to say it. So I, I can tell you right now, I probably wouldn't be had I not humbled myself <laughs> more than about a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> Brother, I look, I don't ever want to catch you, but we're 25 years in this thing. <laughs> I want you to keep the let's keep the same. That's right. That's right. Us, that's right. But let's that's continue right. to use please, sorry, and thank. That's right. But yeah. as leaders, bro, we got to be willing to humble ourselves. And when we've messed up, you can't be like, no, just get over it. Okay. See how how far that gets you. Yeah. We have to be willing to do some self-evaluation and say, you yeah. know what? I said something. I'm wrong. Yeah. And I need to go to that young person and say, extend that hand and say, look, I blew it, man. Yeah. And uh, I want to know, I want to apologize. Will you accept my apology? Usually makes that relationship stronger. Hey, before we get back to the conversation here with our guest, I want to thank uh, one of our sponsors, a new partner, Uncommon, which is a ministry that is equipping uh, and empowering great men to become the husbands, the fathers, and leaders they were called to be, go to uncommon.org. That's U-N-C-O-M-M-E-N.org. Check out their content. Go to Uversion, download their devotionals. Great team, great people, great men, and they're out there for you. They're out there with great content, and they're out there to encourage us to be the men we were called to be. So I want to thank TJ and his team at Uncommon. So now... Let's get back to the conversation with our great guest here at Last in Line. So, you know, talking about being kind of a father figure for some, you actually are a father. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about some of that. And I want to read a couple of scripture here, a couple of verses out of Malachi that I think set this up nicely. And I had forgotten a little bit about these, uh, but man, God will deliver them in, in, a, in the right time. But so in Malachi two and six, both of those Malachi four, verse two and verse six. So it says, but for you who fear my name. Okay. So, so there's a, there's a contingency here. We got to do something, right? It's not mm -hmm. all free. The son of righteousness, S U N of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Verse six, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the father, lest I come and strike the land with decree and utter, utter destruction. So if we don't want to face this utter destruction, right? Uh, let's let's fear his name and then yeah. we can count on some things. <laughs> we can count on, because right now I'm looking at society and I'm looking at culture and I'm looking at 
fractured relationships between kids and parents. I'm looking at separation. I'm looking at abandonment. I'm looking at just kids without dads. So let's talk about dads. Uh, you're a dad. Let's, let's find out what you feel like maybe is a couple of big burdens that you maybe carry. When I say burdens, I mean that you just have this resolve and conviction that you, you really want to keep your kids on this path, or I want to prevent them from experiencing X, Y, Z, or, or I really want to instill that. Like what's a big burden on today's fathers, would you say? Well, I think, um, man, I think the the biggest burden on today's fathers is, man, we're, we're fighting, we're fighting hard, um, to demonstrate what real love looks like to our children. And we're fighting against what culture is saying real love looks like for our children. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's why it is important to train up a child in the way they should go so that when they grow old, they won't depart from it. And so, I know for my my wife and I, just um, in raising three children that are now 25, 22, and 19, mm. is um, we tried our best to put the word of God in them. Uh, we tried our best to live out the example of what a godly mom and a godly father, not perfect, uh, look like in the home. Um, what a husband and wife look like in a home. All of those things, but, you know, I think, even now, just continuing, keeping open lines of communication, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, allowing your children to make mistakes and let them know that you still love them, that you're still proud of them. Um, and then also, I think allowing allowing kids to, to fall. I think that, you know, but being there to help them up. I think sometimes so many parents want to just protect their kids from experiencing anything that they don't go any through anything. But sometimes the strength is, man, falling and but helping them up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that you can. So, I mean, fatherlessness is a huge issue. Mm-hmm. And you can peel back the layers of why it is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, from you could trace it back to mass incarceration, mass incarceration or mm-hmm. when families were were split up and things like that. I mean, you can, you can trace it as far back as you want, but I think we have an obligation, you know, when the Lord allows us to have children, our own, you know, to raise, I guess they're his, but it's given us stewardship is that we have a responsibility to teach them. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't have the responsibility and the, to be their friends. Mm -hmm. I think we have too many parents who are trying to be just buddies with their kids. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They have enough friends. We do too. They don't need friends. They need people to parent them. They need people to lead them. And um, so I think that is one of the biggest challenges. I see that a lot of, you know, just parents and you're like, gosh, are they more friends or they, is there, is this a father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, mother, daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, you're not called to be their friend. Yeah. You're called to be their parent. So I have a question. You mentioned that you you have conversations with parents when kids come to to Texas Mm -hmm. A&M and and probably ongoing throughout their stay there, Uh, you know, and and so I wonder if it's me and I have a kid playing football at A&M and I maybe, uh, you know, I see them two or three times a semester, maybe, maybe less than that if the season's going on, you know, I'm thinking, okay, 
what, you know, how do I best engage with them? Like, I bet you get some questions. I bet you get probably some needing advice from parents occasionally, like, Hey, McConnell, man, I'm struggling really like communicating with my kid or how do I really address certain, you know, whatever issue to, like, do you hear maybe kind of what lessons parents are trying to learn, what maybe hard lessons they have learned and trying to overcome? Like, what do you see as being kind of a, a common theme with the conversations you're having with parents? Yeah, I, it's funny because I feel like the calls and emails that I get from parents are the same ones that I could probably ask, ask my son's coaches. Um, and I say that because, <laughs> you know, I get one word answers from my son, like, Hey, how's class going? Good. Um, you know, how's practice? You need anything? No, good. I mean, it's just, and they're like, I'll have parents all the time reach out and say, Hey, how's my boy doing? Oh, man, I'm, I'm really proud of them. You know, they're growing and man, you should just see them. They're, they're really competing. Well, they're, they're respectful. Okay. Cause I ask them and I never hear back from them. And so <laughs> I think one of the biggest things is um, again, I tell the parents I'm an extension of you. I, I respectfully uh, tell parents oftentimes it's the moms. Um, hey, your son's doing great. Um, if there's anything pressing, I will either push them to talk to you or I will communicate with you. But I also respectfully tell them a lot. Just let them grow. Just let them grow. They're, they're developing who they are. And sometimes uh, they're not communicating as much as you'd like. Mm -hmm. But if there's something that's pressing, if there's an emergency, just know we promised in when we were recruiting your son, promised. If there's something that you need to know, I promise that I'm going to communicate with you. But if you don't, some, as my dad used to say, no news is good news. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes sometimes that is the best. So just let them grow. Let them grow up. And uh, hopefully the, the, the person that you see is a little bit different in their maturation process than when you dropped them off at school. So, um, yeah. you know, so at the end of the day, bro, uh, being a parent, cause I'm, I'm in it now, you know, I got to keep myself not from texting or sending a message to his coach. How's MJ doing? I don't do it as much as I want to sometimes. Cause I get the one word answers from him. Everything's good. Yeah. We had practice. And it's like, dude, I, you're not saying anything. Oh, you're great. It's good. <laughs> it's like, dude, I need more. I need more. So I get now why, when parents are reaching out, they're like, they're not talking to me. I'm learning. Just let them grow. Don't leave I, them alone, but be a parent, but let them grow. I don't know if I've let my kids fail enough. Uh, I don't know that a parent ever really should say that, but I don't know that I've ever just let them fail completely. You know, there are times they make some colossal mistakes, of course, but I don't know that I've ever just let them fall flat on their face. Uh, but again, when they, <laughs> when they do mess up and make mistakes, like you said, it's time to even though our flesh wants to maybe lash out because we told them a hundred times not to do something, yeah. we still got to dig into that grace. Like you said earlier in that mercy that you're talking about, you know, we still got to kind of remember what we were like, you know, remember where we yeah. came from. Cause I was 20, 21 before, you know, a long time right. ago. And, and that was yeah. a train wreck at times. So um, yeah. the communication thing is, is something that might be, maybe that I, am facing a little bit because as they get older, they got friends, then they got lives and they are hardly ever at home. Right. So me trying to, I got to like hold them down to have a conversation 
So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you have any secrets to your success? Like I, I, I think I'm a little too intentional sometimes. Like they're like that. Oh. Everything's good, man. Back off, you know, brother. I listen. If someone has that answer, help me out. Yeah. Because sometimes even my wife will be like, Mikado, just they're good. Like I'm pressing and I'm pressing. And, I'm yeah. pressing. and it's all from a healthy place. It's yeah, yeah, from yeah. a great heart. It's my heart is right in communicating. Sometimes my wife is like, Mikado, pull back, pull back. So yeah. no, I don't have the answer. I seem to have the answer more with other people's kids. There you go. At times than I do with my own in our relationship with my own. It's great. Yeah. We have a solid, solid relationship. But at the end of the day, I could tell my son something and he'll go, okay, dad. <laughs> and then he'll say, hey, coach so-and-so said this. I said, son, it's the same thing I'm saying. Yes. But it's dad saying it. So yes. I get I get the dynamic now. I get it. Yeah. And so it, that even helps me relate to the parents and their children of the young men that I'm leading. Mm -hmm. It helps me mm -hmm. because I'm telling them, mom, dad, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. And trust me when I say it, if there is an emergency, I promise you'll be communicated with. I'll make them or I will trust me. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, That's I, good, don't man. Have, I don't have that down. But again, I go back to what I said earlier, lay the foundation, train them up in the way they should go. And because um, you always wonder about your own. That's right. You always wonder about your own, man. Like That's right. we raised them right. But are they like Eddie Haskell? Yeah, that's right. Oh man, I know I was. Uh, Bro, that's well, what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, I see me. So, <laughs> okay. So, if we transition from this parenting uh, a little bit from the parenting, uh, this might bleed in a little. But uh, as a whole, in our society of men and just our roles as spiritual leaders of the home, yeah. uh, what we're called to be for people standing in the gap, protecting. Um, Man, church as a whole, just kind of big C church, the church. Are we is giving me an honest opinion, give me an honest assessment of would you say you're encouraged as a whole by where the church is right now? Or do you see us losing ground and falling downstream of culture? No, I think that what makes some people feel like that the church is um, falling in, would you say going downstream downstream from culture? So basically receiving I, whatever they're feeding us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, it's easy to think that because it's the extremes that are yeah. perpetuated. It's, it's the extremes of either situation, either side, whatever you might want to say, right. That's what we see, but it's kind of like flying on an airplane more people sit in the middle than they do on any wing. And the further you get out on the wing, the more uh, right. extreme turbulence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that I think as a whole, there are more people coming to Christ than people leaving the faith. Um, but I think we see the extremes yeah. of people leaving the faith. And oftentimes that gets more attention and that gets the most, uh, that's the noisiest, if, I, if I'm saying that right. Yep. But I think that, uh, listen, the church is God's plan A. You know, he, uh, and we are the church. We are the body. So it's yep. bigger than the building. It is the people. 
Um, I think that if there is one thing, though, that the church needs to hone in more on, and I think maybe has lost focus for whatever reason, it's in discipleship. I think a lot of times we do a good job of catching fish, but don't do the best job of cleaning the fish. And so I think that discipleship and we've um, you could mask that and say, well, no, we have small groups or we have this or whatever. Okay, great. But I think that um, just becoming rooted and solid in the word of God, I think that has be, kind of become lost. The challenge to really dig in your scriptures, the challenge to really be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the challenge to, um, you know, digging into Paul's letters or whatever it might be. I think that sometimes we def- we depend more on the preacher to to feed us than we do on digging in God's word on our own um, for growth. You know, so yeah, uh, do I, I feel like the church has failed? Uh, I think that there are areas of the church probably could tighten up in, but that's yeah. probably since since the beginning of of the church. Yeah, right. But at the end of the day, I think that. Um, um, you think of uh, the people coming to Christ in in Asia, in Africa, um, things like that. There are studies that say that uh, Asia or Africa is going to have the most Christians, um, uh, will have the highest number of Christians, like wow. here in the near future. Wow. So the church is still continuing to grow. People yeah. are still coming to Christ. But I think um, if we continue to keep uh, Christ of the Bible as our center. Yeah. And as KB says in his book, dangerous Jesus, um, not the Christ of the land. It's the Christ of the Bible. It's Jesus. And so I think that, um, the church will, um, either continue to be, it will get healthier as we continue to focus on Christ of the Bible. Right. Not the Christ of the land. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I think there's, Several, uh, I, I would say there's a lot of churches that are just trying to, especially since COVID, maybe people were trying to regain, you know, because yeah. let's be honest, there it is a revenue for, it is a business, it is a job for people vocationally. Yeah. So people are trying to kind of regain traction uh, financially in that space. So yeah. I think it seems like we're seeker friendly. I think it feels like we're trying to get butts in the seats more than we're trying to maybe, maybe in some cases, not all. But more than we're trying to develop relationships that are rooted, like you said, in the scriptures, instead Mm -hmm. of we're going, you know, we're going hunting with a buddy, but we're not talking about Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with hunting, but I think we're very surface level. We're a mile wide and we're an inch deep when it comes to men and really sharpening each other. Um, But I I do have a question because of the seeker-friendly model and the fact that I think there are a lot that are just trying to build a new building or expand an auditorium. Are we avoiding, are we purposely avoiding some of the polarizing topics that are out there? And you and I don't have to dissect everyone. We kind of all know what they are, but from a lifestyle standpoint, from choices, you know, people are making from those little pockets of society and those social groups that are out there. I think the pulpit is avoiding it um, to a degree what do you think? Do you think it's maybe not the job, the church's job to pick fights in that regard? Or do you even see it as that? Uh, pick fights? No, I don't <laughs> think it's the church's job to do that. Right. Uh, I think so many times the church um, has been found guilty of banging our fists uh, about the things we're against and not the things we're for. And so um, 
and we're very selective in what we bang our fist against. Um, you know, people talk about different, God doesn't wink at one and frown at the other. Sure. You know what I mean? And so I think at the end of the day, our job, our job is pretty simple. It's to love. It's to love. And and because I can still love you and disagree with you. Sure. Grace and truth, you know, right? Yeah. That's I literally underlined that today. John 1 14. Okay. Is that, um, Jesus came. He was full of both. Yeah. And sometimes we have churches that are so grace driven that they ignore the truth of yeah. the scriptures. And then sometimes we have so many, we have churches who are so truth, just straightforward, just the truth of the word. And they are not willing to extend grace. That's right. You got to got to remember Jesus was full of both. This was not an either or it was a both. And, and so, um, well, we know the Pharisees tried to trick back Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment. Right. And he said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength. Right. And then he said, the second is just as great as the first love yeah. your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say judge them. It doesn't say condemn them. It doesn't say any, you love them. God's business. It, it, that's the thing. It is God's business. Uh, to clean the heart of a person. That's it. You know, we're asking him to do a hardcore cleanse over certain sins, but yet we may ignore other ones. That's right. We say maybe a little smaller, a little less. Well, tell me what's the weight, weight of balance of sin. It's Who determines that? Right. <laughs> exactly. And so I think a lot of our churches, you know, are saying, well, we've gotten too soft on these issues. Okay. Well, um, if you come across as a judge all the time, and not someone who loves, man, leave room for the Holy Spirit to do the convicting. That's right. A lot of people aren't running because they feel judged with everything that they do. And then truth be told, if God said, all right, if we're poker players, and God just knocks and says, all right, I call. Everyone show their cards. So many people who say they got it all together are bluffing. That's right. And, they're, and, and we're all jacked up. That's what we got to understand, Romans 3.23. And there it's is a payment short. for that sin. Yeah. Romans, Romans 6, 23, but there was a great demonstration of love. Romans 5, 8, you know, and then Romans 10, 9 and 10, whoever calls upon that name. Yeah. You believe you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus was crucified. God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. And so at the end of the day, I think so many people aren't running to the church because before they even step foot in because of how they look, how they live, whatever it might be, um, they feel condemned and judged. They do. And it's like, I, yeah. I hold. On, I do. I just think that uh, we do a poor job of. It was with loving kindness that he drew me. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe my advice wasn't what some of the the big ones. You know what I mean? But dude, I know for a fact that I was a sinner, and I know I needed a savior. Yeah. And it was with loving kindness. I'm so glad he didn't give me what I deserved. That's right. But he loved me through enough to bring me out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. that's and kind of my mentality. I, that's kind of my mentality. I agree with you. Um, a lot of what you're saying, I I do understand the ones that, you know, I feel like sometimes we as body of believers feel like it's our job to conform in order to show the love. And that's where I think I have a problem. If we're going to draw a line in the, any of the sand of this, I think it's, Obviously, the Bible says don't be conformed, right? But in right. order to transform each of us, including ourselves, look in the mirror, because I'm talking to me, uh, we've got to transform the way we think. We got Our heart's got to be right. we got to transform our thinking. And I think the people that are coming at the church, these little pockets of 
the groups that we're talking about, I think it's the church's job to stand up and say, look, we're not, we're not condoning it. We welcome you. We, we're not condoning that we stay this way, but we are going to love you anyway. And here's the truth. And here, maybe you don't know the truth. Maybe we got to tell you about the truth, but guess what? We're going to love you along the way. And hopefully we can, we can open some eyes, open some hearts. But again, I don't know that we're supposed to just roll over and conform and condone everything either. And I know that's not what you're saying, but I have a really bad way of saying it, but do you have anything to add to that? No, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely not um, of the condoning type. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, just, I feel like, you know, when the children of Israel were freed, they still had a lot of their old ways that needed to be cleansed out of them. They were set free, but they were still the the process of sanctification. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I think if we try to, do the Holy Spirit's job of helping people in sanctification. Like it, that's his timing, his way of doing things. But man, our job, love people, let them know, Hey man, God loves you. God has a great plan for your life, things like that. And that's, there's no conformity in that, mm-hmm. you know, that's uniformity of God's love. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, the process of being sanctified, mm-hmm. you know, that that's going to take a, a lifetime. Yeah. You know, and so I, I don't know. I just, I have, a, I just, again, the grace and truth thing yeah. is so powerful because I, again, I don't want to just sugarcoat. I, I'm not the type to just sugarcoat stuff where you never address the issue. That's right. But then also get to a point where you just, all you do is harp on the issue, harp on the issue, harp on the issue. Yeah. And it's like, dang, golly, I feel like I'm in a courtroom. That's right. You know, so. That's right. It is. It's is, an equal. It's a balance. A, I mean, you think balance. about how Jesus dealt with people. Not once did the woman at the well feel condemned. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. You know, but she was definitely convicted to change, but he never, yeah, he said, go tell your husband, yeah, the one, I mean, he had the word, you know, yeah, the one you're with now is not your husband, the five before, they weren't your husband either, but he wasn't judging her. He's just telling her the facts Yeah. Yeah. to the point where she was like, y'all telling people, come see a man. Yeah, yeah. Who told me everything? She didn't feel judged. She felt the conviction to change, and so I think sometimes That's we, right. we we got to be good. careful. We yeah. got to be really careful. And again, let the Holy Spirit do His job. Yeah, That's good. Well he, said. He's good at his. He's good at his job, man. I I know that in my own life. That's you know, right. I know that in you know in in life people I've walked with, he is really really good at his job. And uh, sometimes yeah. we step into that lane. Yeah and try to play the role of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, dude, hey, time out. Yeah. You run outside your lane, you get disqualified. So you better chill out. (laughs) That's good. That's just kind of how I am, man. That's good, man. Do you have any, uh, give us some parting shots for the low, you know, younger twenties, mid twenties group right now that might be listening and, and kind of has their transition and into life out of college. Like give us maybe a couple minutes of, Mikado Henson's uh, encouragement for life right here. Yeah, I think one of the biggest encouragements I would give people is um, uh, if your foundation is Christ, don't ever, ever uproot from that. Make sure that you're continuing to build on the solid rock um, because whether it's corporate America, athletics, whatever it is, you'll be put in situations where you can compromise your faith easily. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we're co we're called to be the city on a hill. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. And so, whatever spaces we may find our ourselves in, we're to help bring life change. We're help hope here to bring Christ like change in those situations. And so, mm -hmm. um, wherever a new career may take you, wherever whatever it may be, uh, find community fast. Don't figure and just say, ah, I'll just read my Bible on my own. I'll watch online. No, get plugged into a Bible teaching community as quickly as you can um, and build there. So wherever it go, you know, you may go somewhere that's far away from your home. Find your community fast because one week of missing church becomes one month. And before you know it, one month becomes one year. And now you've completely drifted away. And you've really lost your true north. Yeah. Right. God is faithful. He let you come back. But I'm just saying, uh, stay rooted, stay anchored. He's the anchor for our soul. And so stay anchored in Christ, stay rooted in Christ. I can't stress that enough because how many, ah, it, it breaks my heart when young men or young ladies I've been fortunate to walk with, then you see them down the line. You, you love them. You're proud of them. But you're like, what happened? Yeah. What happened? You were running well with Christ. What happened along the way that made you uh, throw that to the side or just grow so lukewarm or even just just kind of just blah, blah, blah in your faith? Like what happened? You know, I've had some, so many of my leaders and I'm like, it just it breaks your heart because it's like huh, slow. I don't fade. know what happens. So slow getting fade. Plugged, yeah. The slow fade, man. It's like the alignment in your car, man. If it just barely drifts you off the road, I'll wait to do it. Next, you know, the pull is a lot harder. Yeah. Listen, before you know it, you're in a ditch. Yeah. So you got to deal with the alignment. So I just encourage people get plugged in, stay rooted, stay anchored in Christ and find community wherever yeah. that is, because your college years, you're associating with the most people probably ever in your life. Yeah, right. But then as it gets older, those things thin out, mm -hmm. going to work, you're coming home. You're, I mean, just life kind of thins out a little bit. That's why you have to have community. That has not changed. That's a biblical concept. That's right. And that is something we have to stay true to, stay engaged so, yeah. in the community. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm I'm glad you came back, man. I wish you guys well this upcoming season. Um, I know, I don't know, spring practice may have already started or it's coming up. I don't know if you guys are right in the middle of it. but uh, We're in the middle of it. Yeah. In the so middle of it. I, I know you guys are looking for for big things. The expectations are always through the roof uh, every year at a, a program like that. So I wish you well. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for coming back to Last in Line. And, and with that audience, he's been Mikado Henson. We've been Last in Line. Be blessed. <laughs>